Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of 10 Points of Slashing. My name is SJ. And my name is Matthew. Yes, yeah. it is. I was there when you were given that name. Yikes. What? I'm still on nostalgia. What the heck? Uh, for, for everyone at home, um, this episode is being recorded directly after we recorded our nostalgia episode because uh, for scheduling reasons, we, we have to get off schedule again and we don't want to have another crazy, insane late night recording that... You know, uh, so so we're doubling up. This is hot off heels. Uh, we we don't have a um, we don't have a drink bit because we did not think to double up on the energy drink bit uh, while we were uh, while we were shopping this morning until we were about to record. And SJ was like, oh, uh, hey, dude, we didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. So I pitched the idea of us like concocting some different formulas for us to drink, like just taking stuff out of the fridge, like I'll put a little maple syrup and then some ketchup and then some no. like ranch in a bottle. And then, no. yeah. Hard. It's not an energy drink. It has to be an energy drink. That's true. We There's do no have... caffeine and ketchup and and uh, maple syrup. <laughs> so we could just take like a coffee pod and then <laughs> a a bean, one single little a bean. single bean, and put it little, in there. Little guy, <laughs> little guy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so disgusting. We're, we're probably gonna roll a little faster into the topic today. But how, uh, how much do you think maple syrup and ketchup would like coagulate? Would it be like a oil on water situation where it floats on top, or do you think you could mix them? No, dude, they'd entirely separate. I mean, well, <laughs> if, you, if you stirred them up really good, you could probably create some kind of but nasty it would get chunky, yeah, substance out of it. But no, oh, I don't. Top know, it dude. off with some jalapeno juice. I don't think I have any jalapeno juice right now. Yeah, you don't have like a thing of jalapenos that we could. No, just, uh, I usually do. I haven't bought one of those in a while though. <laughs> I don't know why. My first thought was coagulation. <laughs> like no, the Halo like, Two map. No, like chunky ketchup. <laughs> Could you imagine like how there's there's smooth and like like creamy and chunky peanut butter? You got your creamy and chunky ketchup. Ugh. Little bits little of the little bits of the tomato. tomato. Yeah, exactly. Little bits of the rind mixed up in there. It's like ketchup with pulp. Pulp free. Oh god, free range ketchup. <laughs> that's disgu- that's the name of this episode. Free, free range, range ketchup. ketchup. Uh, okay, before before this gets out of hand, let's let's actually what's the topic for today? Today we're gonna talk about some of our favorite video game soundtracks uh, yes. of all time. Yes, absolutely. Um, I speak for both of us when I say that music is a massive part of our lives. Uh, we're both musicians in in different capacities. I uh, he's you you do more like how do I explain? It? Like I'm a concert musician, you know what I mean? Like I've done band, I've done marching band, I've done like some session stuff here and there very lightly. Like back when I was an audio engineer, there was a few sessions that were like we need a drum track right now and I was like I, I can play drums. Um but you're more like session rock like I think Matt is more of a technical musician and my I am more of a creative musician. Yeah, that's I think fair. is probably that's, the yeah. best way to put it. Wow, that re- you know the best part about what you just said is I'm trying to think of like the technical like <laughs> How would I quantify like orchestra, orchestral, and yeah, like yeah. rock session stuff? And you're just like, oh well, it's that. Like, and I'm that's like, hilarious. you just have to feel it, man. Yeah, that's <laughs> so that's so apropos. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I I did band all throughout. I, like I started playing drums off and on very infrequently when I was growing up because uh, we had that set in the garage that was always set up that would just kind of screw around on here and there. But uh, in elementary school, uh, I did band for a minute, and then in high school, I was all in on concert uh, like. Percussion ensemble, because I'm a percussionist. Um, percussion ensemble, marching band, stuff like that, and then playing set. I from when I started high school, I played drum set consistently up until literally like a year or two ago. Um, but you, yeah, similarly, you've been you've been all your life. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. All my life, uh, minus like seven random years in there where I didn't touch music at all. But uh, yeah, no, it's been present in some capacity in my life uh, for the majority of it. So what do you play? Well, I mainly sing. Uh, that's like my favorite part of uh, writing any kind of music is doing vocal harmonies and doing weird stuff with my voice. Um, but I also play guitar, bass, and I play drums a little bit. But uh, I outsource that to my drummer the, whenever I record. Um, like I, I am, a, I am a drummer, and I take a lot of pride in like the skill that I have acquired. But I can confidently say that that guy is the best drummer I know. Yeah, no, he, he he like because you you do like like grunge kind of like alternative mm-hmm. stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. And the drums for that can get really technical and really interesting. But this drummer that we're talking about, he primarily plays funk, which if you don't know anything about funk, funk drumming is insane, dude. I could barely keep pace with jazz. Funk is like jazz on yeah, crack. He's in a he's in a hip hop band right now, but he takes a lot of inspiration from, you know, funk and jazz and stuff like that. Yeah. And it really comes through in a lot of the music that he and I have written together where normally it would just be some super basic hi-hat, kick, snare, kick, yeah. snare kind of thing. But he does so much with like weird syncopations and all kinds of cool stuff. Um, yeah, he he definitely but, he definitely travels around the kit. Yeah, but he and I uh he and I have a chemistry. Uh, when we write together that, you know, I've, I've worked with other drummers in the past. I've played with Matt, you know, and there's just something about him and I, when we get Mm -hmm. in a creative space together, that is just, it's perfect, you know? Yeah. And there's so many times it's just that it is that way with people. Yeah. I mean, and and he and I have against anyone else. Yeah. And he and I have a working relationship that spans literally over half of our lives. So Mm -hmm. You know, we just we just have that. Um, yeah, especially speaking for myself, for like the type of the way that you kind of write your music and the way that you work is vastly different. Because like, from what I understand, like you know, you just kind of write down structure and stuff, and you just kind of know what you want. But for me, the way that I work, and this is because of my background, it's like either I need sheet music, or in my mind, I'm writing that sheet music and I have to translate it out. Like I I need yeah, like I need a level of structure. You know what I mean? It's all in my head. Yep. When I write music. It is all in my head. It's all, okay, I hear this. Let me put this to music. Let me do this. Let me do that. Um, and what I love about working with my drummer is I will come up with, you know, the the guitar, the bass, the vocals, and I do that all before I, I kind of have a session with him. So in my head, I've already come up with kind of like, oh, I think it'd be cool if the drums did this or the drums did that. And the way that we always write is I just show him the riffs. I just show him, okay, so this is what the guitar is going to be doing here. And he goes, okay, okay. He takes it in. Okay, is that is that three, four? Okay, got it. And then uh, and then I'll just play it. And then we jam together. And like nine times out of ten, he I'm, I'm not try. kidding. He, he It's like he reaches into my brain pulls out what I'm already thinking and then enhances it in some capacity. Like he's, yeah. he's absolutely incredible. And yeah, he's definitely a, he's, he's an idol of mine growing up as a musician. Oddly enough, I've never sat down with the man and just like tried to glean anything from him because one of my favorite things that I love to do is like clinics and stuff, like either receiving clinics from musicians that I respect or giving like teach. Cause there was a point in time where I taught for a bit. I've never sat down with him and that's a shame at some point in my life. I need to. Yeah, no dude, I, I haven't, uh, he and I haven't really talked much in the past like year or two just with my career change, but uh, I've actually been thinking about him a lot lately. He, I don't even think he has any idea that you and I are doing this podcast. So we I should, should, we should let him know. I should reach out to him, let him know he did this, and then uh, you jam. Hey, yeah. if you're listening to this, we should jam sometime. Yeah, uh, I haven't played in, in a minute. I'm rusty, my chops are dead, but uh, you know, we should jam. 
Yeah. I, I miss having a drum set. Like that's, we have a drum set, but it's, it's in a state, you know? And, uh, I had like a little, I had like a little Alesis like nitro kit, I think is what it was called. And I, I had that for a bit, but I would love to just get like a, like a super simple, like four piece acoustic set just to, just to jam on. Yeah. Um, getting back into the kind of the technical versus creative side of things, um, for today's topic, my list actually directly reflects the creative aspect of it because what I love the most about soundtracks in a video game is when they can capture what's happening and enhance that, right? Like when you're going through a creepy part in the game when the music is creepy, creepy. and well done enough to the point that it it actually makes that situation more tense because of the music or yeah. you know, it's it's when the music takes the emotion that's supposed to be happening and just increases it, enhances it for you. That's, that's what my list is based on. Um, my, I think, yeah, my, my list is definitely based more in, in that technical aspect, I think. Cause like I, I look at all of these as, as compositions and yeah, like, yeah. as a whole, like listening to it isolated, even from the game, like obviously enhancing it in the moment of the game, but like going back and just listening to it and being like, damn, that's just an incredibly well done, like composition. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I don't um, want to do too much doxing of myself here, but I think it, it needs to be said in some capacity. The industry that I work in, uh, li- music is literally one of the most important things that I deal with, mm. and uh, I teach my students all the time. You have to feel the music in order to do what we do, um, It's and it's not just about... It's not just about identifying, okay, this is the rhythm. One, two, three, four. You can't think like that in the industry I work in. You have to feel the music. You have to let the music create some emotion in you, and then you translate that, and you do what you want with it. Yeah. Um, and and it's it's funny, but that that is such a huge part of you know what I do for a living, and uh, it's it's great that I I think about music in that way as opposed to the you know the really technical side of it. And of course. Writing music, you have to be technical. There are things that you have to do that make sense from a you know an execution standpoint and a this and yeah. that. But at the end of the day, for me, it's always just been about a feeling. Music mm. is just about a feeling for me. Yeah, some some of my favorite some of the musicians that I respect the most are the people that kind of take those concepts and just throw them out the window. Like uh, Giorgio Mordor, he just he's one of the pioneers of like modern electrical and synth kind of like sounds and stuff like that. And the dude just didn't care about anything. Yeah. Didn't care about time signature. Didn't care about didn't care about like rhythm. Didn't care about uh, like key signature. Dude just made music. And it was amazing. If you if you guys at home listen to Giorgio by Morador by Daft Punk off of Random Access Memories, it's a, it's like it's like a song and also like like a like a mini biography almost because they brought him into the studio and he kind of like monologued over his career while the, this beautiful song is playing. Just oh nuts. my God, dude. Just I have, I have a hilarious, well, it's hilarious to me. It wasn't that hilarious to my coworker, but mm-hmm. <laughs> so here's, here's a story. So, you know, the song Macarena. Yeah. You know what that song does to white people, right? Unfortunately. Yes. I not me. It makes us go crazy. You hear the song and you're like, Oh my oh. God. Yeah. Right. Well, my boss, who is uh, Russian, and I mean, he is from Russia, yeah. speaks broken English with a Russian accent, right? I love the man to death. He's, he's a wonderful human being. But the other day, uh, I'm working with him a bit, and he and I were uh, teaching simultaneously. And at one point, the, some conversation came up, and he went over, and he put a song on, and he was like, hang on, I have to show you this. He puts this song on, and it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And I was like, dude, what is this? And he, and he, he told me, he was like, this was 
like all the rage in Russia in the 90s. Like everybody listened to this song. You could not go anywhere without hearing this song. Any party, any gathering, any anything, they were playing this song constantly. And he's like, so it's like the Russian Macarena. He's like, anytime you hear the song, you just, you just start moving, dude. Like you can't help it. And like, that's how it was in Russia. And I was like, so it was like the Macarena for Russians. And he's like, I don't think he got the joke, but he was like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to show you this song after we record this episode. And it's the most ridiculous thing in the world to the point that he played that early on in the day yesterday morning. And the rest of the day, I would just randomly put it on. And no matter where he was in the building, he would run out. And he'd just start getting it. And uh, yeah. his wife, who uh, also uh, works with us, they, they partner. Um, but even she's, she's a very different person than he is. She's yeah. very serious. He's not. He and I are very energetic. We kind of enable each other's chaos. She's a more serious type of person. And even her, we put that song on and she would poke her head out of the office and be like, what, what is going on? Oh, my God, you're bringing me back right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have to put this song on. It's hilarious. Uh, I'm going to name drop it. Okay. It is by a band named Modo. Mm-hmm. And the song spelled in English is Super Gut. Okay. It's a German song. So it's Super Gut. Super Gut. Uh, and it's the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard in your life. Uh, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, if, if uh, once you finish this episode, put that song on. And just understand that is where my brain was at all day yesterday. And I woke up this morning and still had it in my head. So yeah, that's, that's what I'm operating at right now. That's fantastic. Um, I've had, yeah, I was telling you outside, but I have a synth song stuck in my head right now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you want to jump into today's topic, man? Yeah. Um, one more quick thing. Um, what we're going to be doing during this episode is we're going to kind of name drop the soundtrack that we're going to be talking about. And then we're going to take like a little break to to show each other like a, a, a song or a small selection to kind of get the vibe going. Yeah. So there's going to be cuts between when we say like our number three is this and then it's going to cut to after that. Uh, so just, you know, if if something is a little weird or off, that's yeah. why. But we um, um, but yeah, we're a big fan of live reactions. So whenever we do these top threes or top fives or anything one of them, like you that, absolutely know that we probably don't need to do that for. But yeah. Um, but whenever we do these. We don't we make it a point to not tell each other until we record the episode. That way we have each other's live reaction because mm-hmm. um, I think that's a really important part of the creative process. Yeah. So we were like brainstorming ideas of how we could make this work and still know the music because there's going to be there'll be things that I bring up that he can't you know, you're not going to be able to pull it out of your brain right now and be like, oh, yeah. But yeah, and same with you. There's going to be stuff you name that I've never even heard of before. So. Yeah, uh, that's how it's going to work. But we promise it's still going to be like a cohesive episode. So and out of all of the honorable mentions, we don't need to do that for the honorable mentions. But there, there is one honorable mention song that I'd like to show you, too. Um, OK, cool. Um, yeah. Do you want to do do you want to do honorable mentions first or do you want to do them right before our number one? If I do honorable mentions first, I think your jaw is going to fall off your face. You want to do that? Uh, to set the tone for the rest of my list? No, let's wait until before okay. the number one. All right, because okay. if, if I give if I give you my honorable mentions, you're gonna be like, "What the fuck?" Okay, cool. All right, so do you? Am I starting? Are you starting? Who do you want to start? You start. I feel you like always I normally start. start. You okay. always start. Yeah. Let's so do it. this is the one that I don't think I'm, you're gonna need to listen to it because of the sheer amount of listening that we have done to it. Okay. Uh, my number three favorite soundtrack of all time is uh, the Hades soundtrack from a game called Hades uh, by uh, Super Giant yeah. Games. Came out a little bit ago. Ballin' ass combat songs for D and D. 
God yeah, of the I've, Dead was kind of Archon's song. I've heard a lot of these songs when we play D and D, but let's let's go ahead and okay. go ahead and send um, it. Yeah, yeah, here, let's. Okay, we're gonna cut here. The way that this soundtrack works is really really cool, um, because it's like every song is like divided into two parts basically. So it's like if it's like an eight minute song, it's four minutes and four minutes. There's four minutes of like the atmospheric kind of lead up, oh, kind of like okay. undertone to it. Uh, that like for out of Tartarus, you know, it, it plays during the boss fight with uh, Megara, and it, even in the beginning stages of that fight, it kind of like is still a little bit low. Yeah. And then once the fight kicks up and shit's going crazy and all that, that's when oh. they drop the rock riff, and it's like, oh god, things are happening. I'm gonna make a note right now because that just kicked up something that I want to. I'll talk yeah. about when we get um, into it. But there's there's honestly like a very few songs on this soundtrack that um that are like just purely atmospheric because even some of the atmospheric songs get a little intense because yeah, they're, yeah. They're, that's like what, what it plays when you're running around just like the map you know what i mean and if you get in a, a combat encounter with like the minions and stuff there needs to be something a little a little upbeat um but my my absolute favorite song on the hades soundtrack is called god of the dead it's the song that plays when you fight hades at the very end of the game uh it's the song that i used for for archon and D. it was his little boss song and it's it's just so good. I can't describe why it makes me feel the way that it, but that I feel like it. There's a lot of parts where like the time signature changes, and instead of being like half of one song and then like the heavier half, there's like it's like a bunch of different vibes in one song. Mm-hmm. It's like eight and a half minutes long. It's crazy, but it's so good. Um, do you want me to play it for you, or you? you yeah, yeah. That? Go ahead and send it, dude. Yeah, uh, really great for crazy liches. Uh, but yeah, no, just absolutely insane song. The time signature changes all the time. There's like a bunch of different like mini sections because it's it's the final boss fight. So every time he kind of enters into a new phase, it's like a different vibe. Um, and it's just uh, Darren Korb. Um, a big part of the reason why I love the soundtrack so much is it was written, recorded and performed by one guy. Yeah. Uh, Darren Korb did all the drums, did all the guitars, did all the synth, did everything. My number um, one is uh, also written, performed, and recorded by yeah. one guy. Um, but yeah, Darren Korb, uh, he does all the vocals too. There's like a lot of like whoos and stuff like that, like kind of like those atmosphere, kind of like uh, phenomenal musician, tremendous respect. And the reason I love this game so much is because or the soundtrack so much is because it fits the game. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it, like everything that's happening on screen and everything you're hearing, there's no moment where you're like, Oh, this feels inappropriate or this doesn't feel like the vibe. Like it's just so perfect. His choice of instrument, just everything. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal soundtrack. I've listened to it cover to cover so many times. That's awesome. Yeah. Matt showed me a couple of the boss fight songs and uh, a little bit of the atmosphere stuff. And it, it sounds really cool. Yeah. I haven't played the game. Uh, um, it's, it's, so it's it's a it's a rogue lo, rogue like is the name of the game and if you've never played a rogue like game basically yeah, yeah. you start at the bottom you keep going if you die you get sent back to the beginning but with like better like stats and stuff like that like you yeah. you kind of keep your character progress but every time you get wrecked you go back to the beginning um and it's it's fun but also in, infuriating when you finally get to Hades and he wrecks you and you have to go back to the beginning of the game. <laughs> You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a good game. I, I enjoyed it. The second one's coming out, and I'm sure the soundtrack is going to be just as good. Anyway, that's my number three, Hades soundtrack. Thanks, man. Um, okay, so my number three is uh, not going to be a surprise to anyone that has listened to this podcast. Um, it's a game series that I talk about quite a bit. It is one of my favorite game series of all time, the soundtrack from Uncharted. Yes. Um, oh, Uncharted yeah. 1, 2, 3, and 4, which... One, two, and three were all composed by the same people, um, but then they got a new guy, uh, Henry Jackman, for the fourth one, and 
he did such a great job of keeping that the feeling, um, but putting a new spin. And I, I, if I'm not mistaken, like a different time signature for the main theme. Um, but here, I'll play uh, a couple of my favorites. So yeah. basically, the um, obviously it's this big bombastic like adventuring game, like Indiana Jones, you know, like big world spanning adventures. And so the music definitely reflects that and just gets you feeling that. But I'm gonna play a couple of my favorite selections here. Yeah, well, Matt, we'll cut back. So what I just showed Matt is like, uh, so in the first three games, you know, it's very similar kind of soundtrack style in the fourth game. Like I said, they brought on a new guy, but they were kind of trying to spin the fourth game is like, okay, this is the end to Nathan Drake's story. And nobody really, they didn't mention how it was the end. And it was kind of up in the air at release leading up to the game. It was like, dude, is Nathan going to die? Is Sully going to die? Is Elena going to die? Like somebody's got to die, right? Somebody's got to die. So, you know, you didn't really know what was going to happen. So the guy came in and did the soundtrack and we just we just listened to it and identified. But the fourth game, it wasn't a different time signature. He just like slows down the way that he does the main theme. Yeah. And gives it kind of a Hans Zimmer-esque like this, like the orchestral, like it yeah, the, feels the, like you're getting pumped up for something like like it's very like, oh, something's about to go down. Um, the, the big difference, which is a, a very like... One of the biggest thing that conveys the change in tone is that in Uncharted 3, the, the melody is played by a horn section, and in Uncharted 4, it's played by a string section, which inherently makes it more melancholic. Yeah, but it's it's beautiful, and like I said, what it does is it's, it gives you the feeling of, like, I'm, you know, the first three games. You're like, I'm going on an adventure. Yeah. This is a big, bombastic, crazy cool adventure, and even within the first three games, there's other sections of the soundtrack that's very melancholic and very, like, oh, creepy stuff's happening. Yeah. And they... They execute it masterfully in the game. Those things will pop up at just the right times. But really cool that in the fourth game, they got a completely different composer and he still managed to complement the feeling that these games give you and set you up for something different. Like yeah. Uncharted 4 is a obviously it's still the same Uncharted formula, but it's it's a different spin on it. And it just it, they did such a great job of matching the soundtracks to the feeling the game's supposed to. That's that's what I hope ends up happening with the Dreadwolf soundtrack. Yeah, they have a new composer. I hope it's the same, but, you know, a different spin. But I, I want the Inquisition motif to still be there. Yeah. God damn it. All right. <laughs> uh, number two. Number two, sir. OK, my number two is not necessarily one of my favorite games to play. Um, I play the shit out of it and I, I do enjoy it. Um, but the nature of what this game is definitely makes it uh, a little bit difficult. Um, but it is one of my favorite stories in a game. Uh, and that is Warframe. I'm going to, you know, we're going to cut and I'm going to play a selection for, for SJ, but the, the Warframe soundtrack is, is just, it's like heavenly. I don't know how to describe it. I'm going to, we're going to cut. So yeah, I just, I just played for him. This is what you are, which is the main kind of, it's not the theme of the game, but like from the second dream on, it kind of is like the main theme of the game. Huge, huge spoilers for Warframe. Um, the reason that this song sticks out to me and why this song alone makes this soundtrack one of my absolute favorite of all time is Warframe. It's it's an MMO, right? But the story is so good. And back in the day, man, when you were playing Warframe, you're just this voiceless robot thing. And it's like, whatever, who cares, right? The biggest question of the entire game is what is a Warframe? What are you? Like, is it a robot? Is it a person? Like, what the hell is it? But like, it, it was one of those things that we thought was just never going to get answered. And then they released a story update called The Second Dream, where you find out, uh, again, huge, huge spoilers, 
you find out that Warframes are basically necrosed humans that were infected with a uh, like a plague, essentially, we'll call it, um, that turn into these conduits for these children called the Tenno. The Tenno were on a ship called the Zeremin, and basically the, the, the broadest stroke that I can paint is they were on this ship, the ship entered accidentally into a place between like space and reality called the Void. All of the children on the Zeremin Ten Zero were corrupted by the Void, and they were taken by the Empire of this world called the Orican Empire and turned into weapons. Um, and they piloted the tent or the the Warframes. Um, so you play, you know, at this point you have like 250 hours in this game, and you don't like you don't know what a Warframe is. You're just playing this game. It's an MMO. It's fun. It's a great time. And then all of a sudden, 200 hours into this game later, you, you're faced with a character creation screen. You know what I mean? Like, that moment just fucking hits when you rescue yourself. Like, you send your Warframe to go rescue your body because the, the kind of one of the main characters of the Lotus is like, hey, you know, this is what you are. <laughs> um, you know, you're, we're under attack. You need to come here. You need to get yourself. Um, you rescue yourself. You create your character. And it's just like this insane, like, holy shit You create moment. a child? Yeah, your character is literally a child. Oh, cool. He's like 15, 15 years old, maybe. Um, but yeah, it's it's insanely profound. And this song plays in that moment. And I remember getting to that moment and like the camera pans around to your face and you create your character. That's crazy. And dude. I was just like, I was stunned. I sat there forever just listening to this song swelling while it, like you have that. Again, it's it's a pun. It's literally what the song is called. But when you realize what a Warframe is and what a Tenno is and how fucking horrible it is and like all of this story weight just crashing down at you at once and you're just like oh my god yeah that's super cool you've talked about warframe a lot in the past but you've never dropped that like plot thing on me and yeah. that's that's super red yeah. i like that a lot the, yeah it's just the the plot of warframe we can do this outside of a podcast but like i could i could just talk yeah it's, dude it, the plot of warframe is fucking insane Ballas is one of my favorite villains. If we ever do a villain tier list, Ballas is up there, man. He's just fucking pure, pure psychopath. Um, but anyway, regardless, my number two, this is what you are. I want to show you three more things super quick. So for those of you that have played Warframe, you know that uh, there's been three really big story expansions, um, and they've had songs attached to them. And they're, they're kind of like jokey, but they're fun. Uh, it's called uh, We All Live Together, uh, Sleeping in the Cold Below, and Four Narmer. And they're basically like sea shanties they're like work shanties like work like i don't know how to describe it i'm gonna play it for uh just like little select snippets but uh yeah if you guys want to listen to really fun kind of cool songs listen to uh we all live together uh sleeping in the cold below and for armor cool so my number two i know i've mentioned this series before but i've never really expanded on it um in keeping with the theme of giving you a feeling i like feelings music that takes the environment and enhances the emotion it's supposed to give to you. My selection for number two, give a guess. Mass Effect? No. Oh, okay. No. Gears of War. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because Gears of War is, you know, this sci-fi, like, military kind of thing, right? But it's, you know... It's almost this, a horror game. Yeah, almost. It's, like, post-apocalyptic, and it's one of those games where, you know, you find out these deep, dark secrets about the world, and it changes everything, and yada, yada, yada. But... What I love about the soundtrack is, so in the first game, it was composed by a guy, Kevin Reeple, I think is how you pronounce his name. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, for the most part, just very creepy, atmospheric type music. And then the game did so well, obviously, they did a second one. Well, they got a guy in, Steve Jablonski, for the soundtrack for two and three. 
And when they started Gears of War 2, the game opens with the invasion of the uh, the Hollow, where the, the locust, the bad guys are from, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think knowing, like, okay, this game isn't about, like, freedom fighters trying to survive on the, you know, in the city anymore. Now we're, like, we're going into it. This is full-scale war. I think they, they were like, okay, we need to... To create a soundtrack that reflects that and really gets you hyped and you know has that like hey we're going to war feeling but also the really creepy dark undertones um yeah and i just love the execution of it so i'm gonna play a couple for matt real quick yeah. just so you can feel it uh cut here editor matt so i just played matt i only played from two and three um because like i said the soundtrack for the first one is incredible but it's just really like setting the tone for the creepy dark you know mystery yeah. Yeah. Um, but Gears 2, they have this, like Matt pointed out, it's in minor, it's this very dark, but it's still this very orchestral, like very big bombastic, like shit's going down type song. And it's like, okay, this is leading up to something. It gets you hyped. There's a lot of like frantic strings and like, na 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 Yeah. And, you know, very like building up to something. And then they take that same song and kind of do it from a different perspective in the third game and the song that plays at the end of the game, when you like save the world, it does that. It takes that song again, like I said, and it plays the minor part, but in a more like, I don't know, like victorious kind of way, instead of like, Hey, we're building up to battle. Yeah. It's like, okay, the battle's over. We won. And it plays the same thing in minor. And then like halfway through the song, it does that same melody again, but it does it in a major key. And yeah, it, it's like the impact that that has. You've heard that same song like a million times as you play through the games, but it's always been in minor. Yeah. And then at the end of the game, it switches. And it's like this big victorious. Yeah. And you're like, holy shit, I did it. Like, and it just feels so good. I get goosebumps every time I listen to that soundtrack. Like, it's just incredible. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 but sorry, dude, I was okay, just going to say, okay. but it's only incredible to me because I've played the game yeah. and I have, I know the you story. And I felt what those characters feel, you know, and the soundtrack does such a great job of like, because at the end of the game, you're still like, you're not sure. You're like, I don't know if we did it. I don't know if we won. And then that major shift happens. And that's when at the same time in the game that it's trying to communicate to you, hey, you did it. It changes it. And you feel that for the first time. You're like, oh, my God, like we've the name yeah. of that song is finally a tomorrow. And you really feel that you're like. Finally, we did it. Like mankind has a tomorrow we're going to live on. Um and it just it's incredible. Yeah. The um uh, just to kind of speak from the the technical nerd perspective, music theory is a language and like all languages if you don't actively speak it or read it read it often you forget it. So forgive me, it's been a very very long time since I've had to access my music theory brain. But there's there's a concept in which a, you can make a minor key sound triumphant or you can make a minor key sound happy because you know major is happy minor is sad there's a lot of songs that probably sound like they are in major but or but they're actually in minor but like the actual hard shift from minor to major nuts so cool i loved yeah. that i love that a lot yeah so that's my number two all right honorable mentions here we go oh yeah here we go dragon age inquisition yep Honorable mention. I no nothing to say that hasn't already been said. If we ever do like a part two, uh, it'll be like if we ever do like a four, five, six, it might be in there. But in phenomenal, phenomenal soundtrack. I'm sad that that composer isn't back for Dreadwolf. It's not confirmed. We don't know. It's not confirmed. We don't know. But yeah, it's um yeah, it's incredible. Um, Skyrim. Um, 
I that soundtrack uh, is I've heard it so much that I'm almost numb to it now. But I think I think that's why I just don't care because I've heard it a zillion and a half yeah. times. But you know? the the every now and then I'll I'll load. There's a song on the Skyrim soundtrack called Skyrim Atmosphere that's like 40 minutes long and it's literally just like kind of like a mashup of all the environments. Uh, and it's I listen to that just to chill. Um, Mass Effect Three. Mass Effect Three's got a phenomenal soundtrack. Yep. Pillars of Eternity. Um, another D and D staple for me. I use a lot of Pillars of Eternity music. It's an incredible soundtrack, incredible game. Uh, Red Dead Redemption Two. Yeah, dude. Uh, Red Dead Redemption Two kind of falls into a category of like great orchestral kind of like Wild West music, but there's also a lot of like spoken word songs on that soundtrack that are all incredible. Uh, Unshaken is definitely up there. Every time I hear Unshaken, I cry. Devil May Cry Five. Um, again, the, the weird thing about Devil May Cry 5 is that, like, there's, like, truly one atmosphere song, but when you're playing as Nero V or Dante or uh, Virgil in the DLC as well, they all have, like, character theme songs. Like, Nero has uh, Devil Trigger, Dante has Subhuman, stuff like that. And they're, like, spoken word, like, actual songs. Um, but the the game engine they use Wise. I don't know if any of you know what Wise is, but it's it's a audio engine that they use for games that can like chop up music and like play certain parts at specific times. And because Devil May Cry Five is a hack and slash game, uh, there's like a combo system, and the higher your combo gets, the more intense part they play of that song. Um, so it's it's like it's I love all of the songs. I'll go through and I'll listen to it. Um, but it, I don't really count it. Uh, and same thing with Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. Love all of the songs, but it's the same thing as Devil May Cry 5. Um, this is a weird one, but Saints Row 2? I think that Saints Row 2 has the best, like, in-game radio yeah. selection. And that's yeah, kind of where solid. I'm coming from. Like, all the 80s. Or, like, and it the, definitely fits the, the mood of the game. Yeah, like, the 80s and 90s station, The Crunch, has a lot of good music on it. Like, the yeah. reggae station has a lot of good music on it. Like, it's just in-game radio, like, with real-world music. It's one of my personal favorites. Uh, and Arma 3, Arma 3 has a phenomenal soundtrack, and uh, I know that I said I wanted to play a song for you from my honorable mention list, uh, it's the Arma 3 song, so don't let me forget to do that, uh, unless you want to do it right now. Uh, no, it's cool, let's let's do that afterwards. Okay, cool, yeah. cool. Um, um, so let me, yeah, let's get your honorable mentions there, buddy. So I have a couple, um, and like all, a lot. Of, all of mine are going to harken back to uh, the nostalgia episode. Yep. Um, however, first and foremost, I want to get this out of the way. Unreal Tournament. So it's all very late 90s techno sounding music, and oh, it's yeah. just kind of generic arena shooter music, but it's so well executed, and each song has its own feel. And I think they did a great job of placing certain songs with certain maps um, that give you that different kind of feeling, and it's super cool. One thing I did want to mention, though, not in Unreal Tournament 99, but in Unreal Tournament 3, they did this insanely cool thing where every song that they wrote, they did an, in the same exact time signature, they did an atmospheric version of it, and then they did a combat version of it. So you'd take, you know, one four-minute song, and there was just like a vibing, kind of chill, atmospheric version of it. And then there was a full-fledged percussion, big horns, yeah. blah, 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 combat version That's of it. kind of what I was talking about with Hades. And then, and then what they did was it the, the normal music would play for the map is just the atmospheric version. And then anytime you got in a fight, the music would seamlessly transition to the exact same point in the combat version song. And the music would just pick up. Yeah. And then as soon as you get out of a fight, it drops back into the atmospheric version. And it was... Because a lot of games will do the like, okay, it's playing atmosphere music, but then it kicks on the combat music. Like, yeah. in Pokemon, yeah. right? 
or in a lot of other, and it just cuts to a different song starting in a different area. But what Unreal Tournament 3 did really, really well is like, it's the same song. They just hype it up. And now it's more intense and cool and combat-y, um, which yeah. I thought was really well done. Um, anyway, my primary honorable mention outside of Unreal Tournament is Small Soldiers. The movie tie-in game. I don't remember the soundtrack for the movie. It yet. was very percussive, very mm. like Gregorian chant, Ooh. very like it's super good. I'll play oh, if, yeah. if I have to pick one of these games to play for you, I'll play some stuff from Small Soldiers. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible. It'd be great for D&D. for D&D. I was just thinking like um, yeah, D&D. But other honorable mention, um Spyro? you guessed it. Spyro the Dragon. Oh, okay. So it was written by Stuart Copeland, who was oh, the drummer yeah. for the band Yes. Yeah. Uh I mean, yes. Every every piece of the Spyro the Dragon one, two, and three music was written by Stuart Copeland, and yeah, I it's incredible. That. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. It's and it's a weird thing to say, but the music is so intricate, and like it's totally reflective of the fact that this man was the drummer for Yes. Yeah, like because Yes is very. Uh, what's that? Not prog. What's the? It's yeah. I think it's like math rock. rock. Yeah, I yeah, math rock almost kind of like yeah. It's, and sorry, it's, I didn't. I didn't. I misspoke. Stuart Copeland was the drummer for the band Police. The Police. Still. Kind of like a proggy kind of like Still kind of proggy, just with Sting. <laughs> it's prog with Sting. Yeah. But, like, he's yeah. he's very technical there's, and, like... There's a better word to use. I just I can't think yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just te- very technical, I don't I know why I said yes, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. I know, I, for the Police. Um, yeah. I mean, yes and the Police were almost kind of in the same vein-ish. Yeah, but he... Uh, He's incredible, and the music is just so unique and, like, makes you feel like you're in a whimsical dragon world, but it's, it's I have an appreciation for the technicality behind the Spire of the Dragon soundtrack more than I do for every other thing on my list, which is, like, you know, the feeling yeah. that it gives you, but it's the technicality behind that soundtrack that I freaking love. Um, And then, also, that's it. That's my honorable mentions. Okay. All right. Getting into our number one. My number one. Literally a surprise to no one. SJ probably knows it. Yeah, yeah. Well, we talked about it a little a bit. A little so. bit. Um, Undertale. I misspoke. Um, I didn't misspoke. I just didn't know the word because we talked about this like an episode or two ago. Chiptune is the word that I would use to describe this soundtrack uh, in some instances. But there's also a lot of songs that are very orchestral and very like that kind of a vibe. And each song is only like a minute and a half, so I'm going to take you on a bit of a journey. But the, th- the reason that I love the Undertale soundtrack so much is because the way that Undertale tells you its story is very non-standard, I want to say. It's, it's, it's unique. It's a very interesting method of storytelling. And one of the ways that this story is delivered to you is the soundtrack. Um, like, you know, you'll never know that Toriel, the tutorial uh, kind of caretaker uh, we talked about the archetype video. Um, she is or was, I don't remember exactly, was married to the king of, of you know, the Undertale, of Undertale, uh, named Asgore. And you'll never know that. But there's a part in Toriel's theme song when you fight her and a part in Asgore's theme song when you fight him that's the same. Um, Toby Fox uses musical motif to tell a story. If two songs have a musical motif that is the same... There's a reason for that. And it's so well executed. And like some of the songs are silly and goofy and like, you know, you're fighting a dog boss. So it's like, oh, there's the, the music is dogs. <laughs> I'll show you. It's really stupid. Um, but there are some songs like Toriel, Heartbreak or Heartache or Heartbreak uh, and Asgore's song. Um, it's literally just called Asgore. 
that just it's they just do such a good job of conveying tone and conveying message and theme and story. It's the first time I've ever heard a soundtrack that tells as much of a story as what is happening in the game. Uh, and Toby Fox is an incredible composer. Um, all of the music is just so good. So I'm going to take you on just a little bit of a journey. We're going to listen to some of the hits and uh, we'll, we'll come back. Uh, so, yeah, I just I just took him on a journey. It's a long journey. I apologize. But, yeah, I just I I can't describe enough how much i just adore that soundtrack i listen to it all the time it's so fun to play dude those like old nes kind of chip tune like fight songs usually have like really crazy percussion just because like why would they not you know what i mean and like as a drummer my warm-up playlist was like the the least to most hard undertale songs like literally and by the end of it i'd be ready to go yeah, no, one thing I pointed out to Matt while we were listening is uh, it's it's got that, like, 8-bit music feel, but it's, like, done modern. Yeah. So it just feels heavier. Not, not like, like metal heavier, but, like, there's just more oomph to it. There's more yeah. chunk to it. There's, like, it just, it's really feels good. Like yeah, because those old sound cards in the old system, they only had, like, you know, four voices. So you'd have, like, the lead voice, the melody voice, the drum voice, and, like, that would be it. But, you know, in a modern day and age where even like free DAWs can have like hundreds of tracks, you can take that sound yeah, like font base to it. Yeah, you can take that sound font and just blow it up and make it like a thing, you know, uh, modern like chiptune, modern 8-bit music in any capacity. I a lot of people probably find it annoying because it's like it can be like higher pitch and like obviously a product of its era. But like there's a lot of modern 8-bit music that I love. It's just it has so much body to it. Yeah, no, that was really good. It's uh, very unique. I was ruins. The one of the first ones that I showed you is probably the song that would have been playing on Sin's uh, PlayStation <laughs> that you that you roasted okay. him for. It was probably that song. Minecraft piano music. Yeah. Yeah. Do 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 do. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, Undertale soundtrack. So good. It was so so good. But uh, you're number one. Good. Right. Good saw. This is gonna be one of the longest cut downs. Ever. I know. I'm yeah. looking. I'm looking at the audio file or like the waveforms, and there's so much silence that just has to disappear. Yeah, this might be, end up being a shorter episode, but that's okay. It, it's just okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. So my number one is da 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 the Tomb Raider soundtrack for specifically Tomb Raider one, two, and three. So can I can I ask you a question? Though? Yes. Inquisition isn't even an honorable mention. Uh yeah, it's an honorable mention. Okay, because I was I was you didn't say in the honorable mention, so I was like, oh, it's yeah, gonna I just be figured you one. were gonna do it. Uh, honorable mention. Yeah, no, honestly, uh, but yeah, I guess okay, interesting. Specifically, yeah. Tomb Raider one, two, and three. Um, these all three were composed by a gentleman named Nathan McCree, who the developers just kind of knew. Yeah, uh, that industry is so networking heavy that you know when you know a guy, you know a guy. And um, he was. He recorded the entire score for the first Tomb Raider game in four weeks, wrote and recorded it, and got, like, no direction whatsoever about, like, the game, like, the levels, like, anything that he was, he was doing, mm. which is hilarious to me, because I think that the music is the most atmospheric music of any video game I've ever played, and he did not even know what atmosphere he was composing the music for. Yeah, that's wild. Like, he wrote, recorded all of it in four weeks, and then they just put it in the game where they felt like it made sense, and it, like, it is perfect. That's cool, dude. Um, And then the same thing happened with the second and third games. They gave him nothing, and he was just able to make magic with it. And then there was some, there was some kind of tomfoolery, some kind of nonsense that happened, and he ended up leaving the company after the second game. But then they contracted him for the third game, and then he, you know, went about his way. Yeah. Anyway, 
recently, I believe in 2018, he um, contracted an orchestra and re-released um, most of the Tomb Raider 1, 2, and 3 soundtrack and re-recorded it with an actual orchestra because everything that he did for the Tomb Raider games was digital. Yeah. Um, but he got a full-blown actual orchestra to, com- to uh, you know, play all of the stuff that he wrote, and he made a couple changes here and there. Was it like everything or kind of like a best of? It was, it was, it was most of everything. There's okay. a couple pieces that I was like, oh, I didn't hear this um, when I listened to it all. But um, you can find it on Spotify or anywhere else you listen to music. The, the Tomb Raider Suite by the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. Oh, dude, you got the Philharmonic Orchestra? They're nuts. They're um, so good. They're one of my favorite like uh, or- orchestral groups. But uh, yeah, it's absolutely incredible. Um, I will say this. Yes, there were uh, there were a couple moments when I'm listening to it that I'm like, oh, that could have been bigger or louder or whatever. But regardless of the re-record, it's the soundtrack in the original game that is absolutely incredible. And it's so freaking like atmospheric. Um, but yeah, let's uh, we'll be back. Yeah, that's really good. I The thing that I love about that, and I don't know if it's just the way that he wrote that soundtrack or if it's because he was recording with the Philharmonic Orchestra, that definitely sounds a lot more like up my alley of my background of like concert music. Like it, that definitely has those vibes. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the original soundtrack that he wrote and recorded, like I said, it was done all digitally. Yeah, But yeah. it still was beautiful. And just what I love about the soundtrack, and this is a weird thing to say, but it's the scarcity of it. Yeah. It is... How you are going through these levels in this game where you're underground, you're all by yourself, you're exploring these ancient things nobody's seen in a thousand years, and out of nowhere you turn a corner and then there's this monument or something that you've been looking for, like, oh, it's rumored this is underground or whatever, and then it's just this really subtle little flute piece or, you know, kind of background strings and, like, it, it's just, it'll play, like, 20 or 30 seconds of something and then it just drops off again. And then all you hear is like, you know, the sounds of water dripping in a cave, some rock shuffling in the distance. Like, yeah. And it just resets right back to that isolation and everything. And like the scarcity of the soundtrack makes you appreciate it more when it does play. Cause it's not just constantly like, you know, yeah, big moments. And I just love, I feel like it was executed masterfully, especially knowing, and this is hilarious here, cause this is actually going to completely contrast uh, Stuart Copeland's thing. Mm hmm. Nathan McCree went into this knowing nothing. Yeah. Like he didn't know any. They told him like, oh, yeah, you're roughly going to be fighting a T-Rex. Like fucking make music about that, dude. And he's like, "Uh, okay." And then he creates something that is perfect for that moment. And not just the fight with the T-Rex, but the level design, like the music complements the run up to the T-Rex and it coming out of the darkness. And like just that's just an example. But like everything in that soundtrack is an example of that. And he did not know what he was writing music for, basically. Like he didn't know what the environment was going to look like or anything like that. And he just nailed it. Yeah. Which contrasts uh, what I said about what I love about the Spire of the Dragon soundtracks with Stuart Copeland, how he wrote those. Like I said, I appreciate the technicality behind the music there. But what's really funny is that Stuart Copeland actually sat down and played through all of the levels before he individually wrote the songs for each yeah, level. Yeah, yeah. So they had a fully finished game and they said, hey, put music to this. And so what he did was he literally played through the level and tried to come up with music that fit the level. Yeah. 
And yes, he did that. Like, I will say that the music does a really good job of echoing, like, the feel of the level or whatever the case may be. But it's still just very fun, very, like, you know, 90s kind of ha-ha music. Um, yeah, yeah. And I the tone that. is different. But but yeah, the, it's it's the feeling of what you get when you listen to Nathan McCree's work in the Tomb Raider, the, the trilogy, right? That, the first three games that just blows my mind. That reminded me of, a, of an honorable mention. I, I guess I could just throw it real quick is uh, actually Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, the most recent one. Yeah, yeah. Very, very similar to that. Uh, a lot of people actually had a gripe with it in a way because Legend of Zelda has such memorable, very iconic music. Um, and in Breath of the Wild, it's scarce. Exactly like you were saying. Yeah, yeah. Like every now and then, if you discover a new location or if you come onto something a little bit more scripted, there's like a little piano trill or like a small little like 15 second kind of thing. But for the most part, there's like no music in breath of the wild. So when you do get those fully orchestrated pieces, like, you know, Molduga and the Gerudo desert or like the interior and exterior themes for Hyrule castle and like the, the divine beast themes and stuff like that. When you do get that music, it just hits so hard because everything else is just so silent with the occasional little piano trill because breath of the wild is like basically a post apocalypse game and they really wanted it to feel empty. And they, yeah. they, in, empty in a way, like not empty in the way that there's nothing to do because there's so much to do in that game, but empty in the sense of like there's nothing left. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, that similar to that, they accomplished that really well. And I love that, honestly. Yeah, no, and, and don't get me wrong. I love big bombastic pieces that play over the craziest yeah. thing you've ever done in your life, but it's just a different feel. Um, like I've talked about in the past, Tomb Raider, the whole the whole thing, the whole appeal of it to me was the isolation, feeling like you're alone, feeling like you don't have a choice but to keep going deeper into this ruin. And, yeah. And the music just enhan- takes that feeling and enhances it. It's you know? um, one of the things, the, the way that that's written, and I know that this is probably something that maybe one other person or nobody is going to get, but there's a one of my favorite uh, like kind of orchestra composers. His name is Todd Stalter, and a lot of the vibes from the the harmonic orchestra version of that soundtrack is it gives me a lot of Todd Stalter vibes. There's a song called Skybound that's just gorgeous, so so pretty, and it 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 it, it was give it's giving. <laughs> um, that is giving that, not the other way around. But yeah, yeah no, yeah. that's so- solid, solid pick. Um, I feel like like we're an hour thirty into the recording, but there's so much silence that I that I'm gonna have to cut out. Uh, is there is there anything that that you wanted to kind of like riff on? A little bit more? Kind of riff on. It's funny because yeah. we're talking about um, music. Did you did you want to do the, the honorable mention songs real quick and kind of talk about that? Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Um, I, okay. I also did just want to say, like, um, I, so much of the games that I played as a kid, and I guess this is kind of linking the nostalgia episode, which, again, we just recorded today, so it's still pretty fresh. Yeah, absolutely. But so much of the music in those games was how do i word this so like lately in the past you know 10 20 years video games have become as big a market as movies and back in the 90s when these video games were coming out they didn't have you know giant moments like in movies you know there weren't these huge stakes it was you play as a bandicoot and you have to go stop this evil scientist from stealing your girl right like that was the plot in 90s games right so you didn't have the same scale, you know, as we got into the 2000s and they started making these crazy, you know, God of War and like stuff like that. They were like, well, we want we want like straight up movie composers to do movie music and like these big, huge orchestral pieces, you know, that's happened and that's created so much incredible music. I mean, Halo, like I can honorable mention Halo, right? Oh, Obviously, it's got an incredible soundtrack. Everybody knows the Halo soundtrack. Yeah, um, I think Halo 2 
specifically. Yeah, Halo yeah. 2 was amazing. Um, you know, and then we've got Dragon Age Inquisition and these like crazy huge the music fits the scale of what's happening in the game. Like it's just incredible, right? But then you look back at these games in the 90s and it's, you know, these cute little yeah, happy soundtracks um that stick with us for no reason other than the the nostalgia behind it, right? Yeah, well, and it's, it's the nostalgia behind it, but for some of the the older 8-bit stuff on like the the NES, the SNES and kind of get a little bit into the N64 era, you know, there's a saying that limitation breeds creativity. They yeah. have such little to work with that like as a kid it's like, oh, these sights and sounds are so so fun and I'm a kid. So mentally every, stimulating. Every, everything is so mentally stimulating, but you go back and you listen to it and it's like genuinely it's like some yeah, incredible incredible it. composition because they they had to convey what they wanted to with the limited Absolutely. space and resource that they had. So some of the, this old music that we talk about is like, in my opinion, in some instances better than some of the stuff we have now. Cause yeah. I feel like we're approaching that critical mass point where like everyone wants a crazy bombastic orchestral, crazy soundtrack. And it, it's kind of starting to get samey. Exactly. And something I was just going to say about like, what I love about Nathan McCree's work with Tomb Raider is that soundtrack was written and recorded during the era of let's just make fun, zany music for our video games and we don't need these huge, crazy moments. Yeah. But he came up with that, like, the original Tomb Raider theme was just that super subtle, uh, like, flute uh, song that just kind of carried. And it was just, like, you get goosebumps when you walk out into a vast cavern and there's an ancient temple there and you just hear that subtle flute. And it's like, he was creating these huge moments with exactly what you said. Limitation breeds creativity. Like, like I said, he was set up with, uh, I don't know, you're in a cave, make a song about it. Yeah. And he didn't have an orchestra. He just had digital stuff at his fingertips and managed to come up with this incredible thing that invokes so much emotion. Um, and that's what I respect and love so much about that is like, you know, he did that in the era of crash bandicoot soundtrack. You know, like it's just it's just incredible work. Like the the contrast between what Nathan McCree was putting together and what, you know, colleague collegiate. No, collegiate? what some of his colleagues were putting together. Oh, at the yeah. time is just like it's incredible. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, there's some standouts in like, that era and he's definitely one of them. Yeah. And like you said, like a lot of the stuff nowadays, it's just samey. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, it's like, oh, great. Another super cool, loud soundtrack. Now it's less about the talent behind it and more about like, oh, this is catchy. This sounds cool. Yeah. That's that's why I love a lot of what Nintendo has done and still does with their soundtracks. Like Koji Kondo still does a lot of soundtracks for a lot of modern Nintendo stuff, and they they just they they just make the music that they think is best for their games. You know, like Mario yeah. and Ze and you know Mario and Zelda and some of their more popular franchises have their motifs for sure. But like the Breath of the Wild soundtrack is such a crazy departure from anything that you're used to hearing because like they don't. They want to just, they don't care. You know what I mean? They, Nintendo's mentality is not like we need this crazy bombastic soundtrack. Like even with like their approach, to like graphics, you know, they're not like, oh, we need to look the best. Nintendo's just like, let's yeah. just fucking make some games, guys. Yeah, dude. You know what I mean? So. Now, don't get me wrong. If Dreadwolf, if Dreadwolf has a really shitty, like lame soundtrack, I'm going to be pissed. Yeah. That well, is a game that needs especially, bombastic, well, huge. Especially with the rumor that Zimmer, or at the very least his company is going to be the one yeah. making the soundtrack for that game. It better slap. And like, yeah. again, don't like, don't, don't get it twisted. I love that so yeah, much. I love, for, I love the crazy yeah, bimbombastic orchestra stuff. Absolutely. But when every single game has that, it's like, yeah. I, I want some original. Something different. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, and by the Hades soundtrack, Breath of Fresh Air. Yeah, dude, it's super unique and cool. Um, For the record, Matt knows this, but Hans Zimmer is single-handedly my favorite composer of all time. Um, For those of you that don't know his work, he did... How could you? He did Pirates of the Caribbean. He did Gladiator. He did... not Inception. Man of um, Steel. Interstellar. He did Inception. He did. Did he? Okay. Yeah. He, he did Man Inception. of Steel. He did Interstellar. He did actually Call of Duty: Modern Warfare Two. Honorable mention. Great. Um, great. 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 Yeah. He's done so much. He's definitely my favorite composer of all time. And there is a rumor floating around. I know we just did an episode about this, but the composer of Dragon Age Inquisition, Trevor Morris, he uh, he tweeted something. Somebody tweeted him and they were like, hey, are you coming back to do the soundtrack for Dreadwolf? And it's up in the air as to the the like tone of this message. But he said, no, they they got Hans Zimmer and company to do it. I'm not doing this game. And he deleted it like pretty, pretty much right after. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, that comes across. It could be taken a number of ways. He could have just like spilled the beans and, and said, oh, hey, Hans Zimmer is doing this. And then the producers of the game shut him down and were like, hey, you need to take that down. Or it could have been Hans Zimmer saw it and was like yo dude you need to take that down to me though it comes across as like a funny jest like it would it would be like if you know if somebody asked like hey how's your podcast doing and i was like oh yeah we had howard stern on as a guest this week you know like it's it's that's how it read to me is just vast sarcasm and it's him saying like yes i'm still doing the soundtrack you Mm, idiot to me to me it reads like they actually got zimmer which wouldn't be beyond the realm of possibility but i want it to be trevor morris but to me it read like salty bitter dude that got beaten out over someone because they the producers of dreadwolf probably got starry-eyed when they realized that zimmer was a possibility and they probably Mm -hmm. were just like fuck you trevor morris if we can get han zimmer we're gonna get han zimmer yeah like he's probably just salty about it i want trevor morris but at the same time han zimmer is my favorite composer of all time and they if they get him to do the sequel to my favorite game of all time then i'm gonna lose my mind like i will be happy with whatever the hell han zimmer shits out i don't think it's going to be han zimmer it could be i i think it's going to be one of the composers that works for his company yeah, we'll see. Um, but, uh, regardless, the Dragon Age, regardless. But yeah, like I, I love that. I love the or- big orchestral stuff. But I also yeah, I love uniqueness. I love I love it when you know I love it when a soundtrack is unanimous with the game. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like obviously, like you know, they're like the Inquisition soundtrack is big and orchestral, and but like if you know the motif, you know, oh, that's the Inquisition soundtrack. But if you listen to it just separate from any context, it's like, oh, it's like orchestra music. Yeah, you know what I mean? Just it's really like, intense, powerful music. Yeah. But um yeah, yeah. Do you yeah, no, it's gotta fit it's got to fit the game. You know, I, I agree yeah. with that entirely. And that's what I'm talking about, that like music that takes a feeling and enhances it. it. If it doesn't fit the game, if Crash Bandicoot had like super loud bombastic orchestral pieces while you're, you know, jumping on leaves down a freaking river, then like it, it just wouldn't have worked. But the yeah. music for Crash Bandicoot fit the scale and the environment and what you were doing because it was bouncy and fun and stupid and you know if the soundtrack matches the game then flawless well done i'm i'm trying to think i don't know if you have an example but i'm trying to think of a soundtrack that just like doesn't fit the game or like i can't think of a soundtrack that doesn't fit a game but i can you know think of game soundtracks that i'm not like meh on yeah no i'm just like oh yeah that, that that was music for this game yeah that had a soundtrack yeah i don't want to fry anybody here but that's how i feel about the soundtrack for Dragon Age Origins. Like, it was just meh. It was a soundtrack. Like, like it was good, yeah, and it worked, it. and it, you know, it had its moments, but it, overall, it was just like, eh, yeah, it's a soundtrack. Like, eh, it's cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's how I felt. That's how I feel about the new Vegas or like the the Fallout, like just mm-hmm. as a series, all of the original music for Fallout, like the four, Fallout Four, like main theme by uh, Inon Zur is Inon Inon. I don't know how to say it. Uh, it it's really good, but a lot of uh, it's just maybe because Fallout isn't a franchise that I'm like super in on. Um, but like all of the music for Fallout, it's just like yeah, it was there. Yeah, dude. Um, I guess another honorable mention. It didn't really floor me i wasn't like oh my god this is an incredible soundtrack but it it's atmospheric music that fits the worlds uh elder scrolls online yeah yeah it's 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 serviceable it's kind of meh it does what it needs to do but it's yeah exactly it it, it's not offensive it takes the worlds and it it makes it feel like you're there you know yeah desert music sounds deserty the you know elf music sounds elfy i don't know how to put it but they did a good job you know yeah um what what was the honorable mention that you said that you had a, a piece from? Oh, uh, let me see if I can find it. Um, Small Soldiers. I'll oh, see right, if I right. can find anything from that game. Um, I'll, I'll I'll say it out loud so that way the people at home can can look uh, look it up if they so in, if they so are inclined. Jesus, um, it's the it's kind of just like the main theme of uh, Arma Three. It's called This Is War. Um, there's like the in-game version that I'll play a little bit of, uh, but there's also they similarly to the the Tomb Raider thing. They recently did like a big orchestral like suite of of the Arma Three soundtrack, and uh, the This Is War orchestral version is really good. Not to be confused with Thirty Seconds to Mars. They're cool. Yeah, no, I I love I love that that. Like the rest of the soundtrack kind of follows that vibe, but like this is war. The title track is so good, and towards the end of a song, because it kind of has that da 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 da. There's a part where it kind of like has more of a through line, where it's like da 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 da. Like it actually kind of like follows through with that. But yeah, it's really really good. I love. I remember buying that game for the first time and loading into the main menu and just having that because like that real big techno like is the first thing that like happens in the song so i remember having my little earbuds in i was at my laptop it was 2015 i was on the big glass table and i was just sitting there and i loaded up the game i was so excited to play it for the first time and it gets to the main menu and it's just i'm like oh my god Because, you know, when you load a game for the first time, it's so loud. It's yeah. so loud. So just getting my ears absolutely blasted out by... So good. Yeah, right on. We just listened to uh, a little bit of our honorable mention music. And uh, really cool stuff. Really, like, I love the the variety yeah. of the things that we picked today. Like, just like hitting every angle of what a good video game soundtrack is. Like, super duper cool. Like, yeah. I I don't know if anybody's actually going to be interested in this episode, just like any any super hardcore music nerds or anything like that. But it's we like a soundtrack. People. Soundtrack makes a game for yep. me. And if I a game the has same a bad, thing, if the game has its soundtrack and voice acting, because we did the voiceover episode, you know, if it doesn't have a good soundtrack or if it has really poor voice performance, I don't care. Yeah. If know. it's like for me, if it's a good game, it's a good game. But you could take a mediocre game and give it an incredible soundtrack, and I'm going to love that game. Yeah. But if you take a really, really, really good game and give it an okay soundtrack, that's what I'm going to remember it for. I'm going to be like, yeah, the gameplay ruled, but uh, the soundtrack, I don't know, it just felt lacking or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Like I said, a medium quality game with a killer soundtrack is, it's going to be, you know, game changer for me. So, yeah, for sure. 
But uh, yeah, that is this week's episode of 10 Points of Slashing. We're like two hours into the recording, but there's a lot of silence and listening that I have to cut out. So in all honesty, I have no idea how long this episode is going to yeah, be. Could we have be, no could idea. Could be shorter. Could be longer. Who knows? Could but, be. Yeah, it could be 40 minutes. It could be an hour and a half. We don't know. Yeah. But uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, if you're listening on YouTube, please like and subscribe. If you're listening on Spotify, give us five stars. It really, really helps uh, the growth and give us out six there. stars. Yeah, give break us seven stars. Break the system. Yeah, go against Disrespect the grain. Surrounders. Yeah, tear down the walls, Mr. Gorbachev. <laughs> Take us out. Thanks, guys. We are 10 points of slashing. We really appreciate you guys listening and sticking through with us. Join the Discord if you haven't. Um, my name is SJ. My name is Matthew. And thanks for listening to this week's episode. We'll see you next week. Nanny, nanny.